Do the Los Angeles Lakers have a real path to the NBA Finals? How have LeBron and AD worked with the new role players? Talk about all that. Welcome into the Lockdown NBA Preview. I'm Nick Angstead of Lockdown NBA, and I'm joined by Andy Kamenetsky of Lockdown Lakers to give you everything you need to know about the Los Angeles Lakers going into the postseason. Andy, there's been lots and lots of talk about different things about the Lakers this season, but what's the biggest on-court story for just focusing on the basketball side of it? What's the biggest on-court story for this team? I mean, just the turnaround. This team has probably spent 80-ish percent of the season below 500. Um, they they began two and ten. Um, they began the season with a roster that, you know, beyond the presence of Russell Westbrook and everything that uh, I guess he uh, brings to the table on the court, fit wise, uh, mood, personality, uh, you know, famously described as a vampire, all that stuff. <laughs> the reality is Russell Westbrook also, with his salary at forty seven million dollars, represented. Um, players that couldn't be on the roster, role players that would have been extremely helpful for this team, and a roster that was constructed, I think, about as well as it could have been with the parameters of the CBA and, and limitations with spending, but not in a way that made any actual sense. Beginning with a couple weeks before the trade deadline when Rob Palinka traded uh, Kendrick Nunn to the Washington Wizards for Rui Hachimura, and then the trade deadline when the Lakers eventually moved Russell Westbrook, but brought in D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, um, and Jared Vanderbilt in a three-way deal with the Timberwolves, ironically enough, and the Utah Jazz, plus bringing in Mo Bamba from a deal with the Magic. This team now actually makes sense. It's constructed in a way where the pieces fit much more on the court and just on paper. And in a lot of ways, you have to throw everything that happened before the deadline away because it doesn't really matter in terms of evaluating this team. Like the the record that really matters is 16 and 7. And that's what they've been since the trade deadline. I'm not saying that they are as good as any team that is nine games above 500 because that's playing at an awfully high clip. I'm just saying that's what actually matters. Since that since that trade deadline, this team has changed a lot. You mentioned it. What's the playoff rotation going into the this like this play-in game and then potentially a first round series? Give me the starters. Give me the couple on the bench. And then is there anybody on the bubble right now? Um, the starting rotation is going to be D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves in the backcourt. LeBron, technically as I guess the small forward, but LeBron is whatever you want him to be. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt and then Anthony Davis in the middle. The key subs are going to be Dennis Schroeder, assuming he's available. He's missed the last couple games with what has been described as both neck spasms and Achilles soreness. I wonder if they're just trying to get him rest because he's played a ton of minutes. But uh, ESPN's Dave McMenamin reported that the team is expecting him to be available. Um, Ma uh, Malik Beasley, Rui Hachimura, who's been very, very good the last couple weeks. And those are the three main guys. Uh, Wendon Gabriel is sort of like the half guy in the rotation. He typically plays about 10 to 12 minutes. Um, maybe Mo Bamba could be available depending on if the matchup dictates it, but he got injured almost immediately after getting traded to the team. And he missed almost the entirety of his time with the Lakers. So it's difficult to figure out exactly to, how to start implementing him now. But 
the eight guys that I mentioned before with Wendy and Gabriel, those are the guys who will be getting the majority of playing time. What are the biggest strengths and weaknesses for the Lakers? How do they win games and how have they lost games in general? Maybe let's just focus on this last portion of the season that has made sense for this. Team. Well, you know, it's funny, like trying to figure out exactly how they've done it is in and of itself uh, a bit of a mystery because they've been missing a lot of guys like LeBron missed the majority of games after the trade deadline. Anthony Davis has missed a few. D'Angelo Russell's missed a handful. Um, if there's been a common calling card, it's actually been their defense. Um, which is anchored by Anthony Davis, who, when he's playing at the absolute top of his game, is a defensive game changer on the level, uh, I think, of anybody in the league. He is capable of anchoring your defense uh, at the rim, blocking shots, protecting the lane, altering shots. He's also capable of switching out and credibly defending any position. When he and LeBron have both been available, it's allowed Jared Vanderbilt to serve as much more of a versatile wing defender. And he, he's he been, at times, incredibly disruptive along those lines. Austin Reeves is a very active, very savvy defender. He's extremely good at drawing charges. Like His, his face should be insured the way Jennifer Lopez uh, reportedly insured her backside because <laughs> Austin Reeves gets hit in the face two or three times minimum every single game. Like it, it's a miracle if this guy has not actually gotten a concussion. And then there, there are guys who've actually been better than expected. Like Rui Hachimura, for example, who did not have a defensive reputation at all during his time with the Wizards. He's not been like prime Ron Artest, but he's been much better than I expected he would be, particularly when it comes to matches where he can use his physicality. Like, for example, the last game that the Lakers played against the Timberwolves as part of a road trip, which they won, Rui's defense against Carl Anthony Towns was a game changer. And Towns could not get past him. He couldn't bully Hachimura. And it often led him to putting up, I think, pretty frustrated jump shots. And at their best, this team, especially because they've been missing – LeBron a lot, and LeBron is the key to the offense running as smooth as possible. Um, they've won a lot with defense and just general activity. What are the expectations for this team? Because we've heard a lot of different things from a lot of different people. There, the odds are are what they are. We'll talk about those in a minute. Sexy pick, baby. But the sexy pick. Uh, let's go from three levels: the fans, the team itself. What do they expect? And then, what do you expect from this team? What are the expectations in this postseason? Well, I mean, the fans are now actually excited because the last, you know, season and three quarters has been incredibly unpleasant to be a part of. Like, it's it's really a, a nice opportunity to say thank you to the Locked on Lakers listeners for not just being there, but actually growing the channel during this period. Because I'll be honest, I, I don't know if I'd be listening <laughs> with, with this team. <laughs> they have not been an enjoyable experience to watch, much less hear people recount. But I, I think fans are excited about this group, not just because of what's here right now, but because there's an ability, if the Lakers want to, to more or less roll back this team, um, more or less bring it back pretty close to intact. And I think that's an exciting prospect. Also remember, just off the top of my head, as far as the rotation, Troy Brown Jr., also one of the guys off the bench and also, too, can be a part of those defensive efforts. But I think fans are just excited about the now and potentially the future because the last few years have just been spent 
in steady decline, both in terms of performance, but also the also the the clarity of what the front office is actually trying to do. And you know, LeBron is on a very tight window. I mean, it's it's a miracle, frankly, that he's as effective as he is right now. But this is not going to go on forever. As far as the players' expectation, they believe a lot. Like a big buzzword I've heard from LeBron a few times just in the last week is my guys, referring to his teammates as my guys. And if you've ever covered a championship team, I've covered one with LeBron. I also covered two with Kobe. My guys is often code for teammates that I like playing with, that I actually mm. believe in. Like there, I had not heard, I mean, maybe I just missed it. I didn't hear nearly as much my guys uh, pre-trade deadline. Them and, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Guys. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty sure the first year of uh, of Russell Westbrook, it was it was all those guys. That it was guy. not. They were not my guys. But Le- LeBron, LeBron ramped up his rehab from his foot injury because he sees an opportunity and he believes in what's there and he wanted to get himself on the court as quickly as possible. Um, He famously said that he went to the LeBron James of feet, um, a foot specialist that apparently told him something different than the other two foot specialists, which were, you need surgery. Um, But he really wants to be there right now. I think this group has a lot of belief in themselves, and I don't blame them because if you look post-trade deadline, their record is more or less as good as anybody in the West. And it hasn't always been pretty, but they've been, I think, as effective as anybody in the West. My expectation for them, it's hard to think of them as a championship group just because you've seen so – the sample size is so small. And, you know, it's been disconnected with a lot of different injuries. Generally speaking, you need more continuity and you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. At the same time, though, every team in the West – has been dealing with some type of issue. A lot of them, by the way, continuity. I mean, you know, Phoenix, I think, is probably the consensus favorite to come out of the West. I mean, compared to them, the Lakers have spent two years together. Like, I mean, the Kevin Durant sample size with Phoenix has been very good winning-wise, but it's very small. So I, I don't think it's unrealistic that the Lakers could go a round or two if they're playing at the top of their game. I mean, the the biggest concern I have right now is these last few games, they have not been particularly sharp. And I, I don't know if that is them maybe relaxing a bit because the level of competition has been weaker, or maybe there's a fatigue factor that they're really starting to feel. And while if they win this play-in game on Tuesday, you know, they get a few days off, the fatigue is only going to grow more and they've had to expend a lot of energy getting to this point. So you wonder if maybe the tank is running low, but I do think that they are equipped to at least battle with any team in the West. And I'm including Phoenix. The books agree with that too. FanDuel has them as plus a thousand to get out of the the West uh, just behind the Suns plus 200 warriors plus three thirty, nuggets plus three fifty. Grizzlies plus 700. They're also a seven-point favorite to win their playing game, so there's some belief there from FanDuel, and uh, there's some belief with the Lockdown Lakers with with the with Brian and Andy. Go listen to them five days a week, daily on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on the Lockdown NBA Playoff Preview.